1: Right, welcome to Impacting Jamaica, a podcasting series celebrating the work and achievements of Jamaicans and friends of Jamaica. I'm your host, Sonia Poleon, and I'm sitting in for the wonderful Empress Sinai Flaring. On today's show, I'm joined by MBK Wazime, and I'll just tell you a little bit about MBK. MBK is an international coach, trainer, author, photographer, and freelance writer. She has worked and lived in Ghana, Malaysia, Jamaica, and Dubai. She led school development programs, school consultations. She's trained senior school leaders, and she's coached senior and middle school leaders. Mbike is also an author and has two poetry books, one called Exploring All of Me, and the other one called And Then It Was 2020. I'm intrigued to know about. And then it was 2020. (laughs) She's had articles and photographs published all over the place, right? But in the African Business and Culture magazine, the Alarm magazine, Diversity Business promotes, Turning Point magazine and the Black Ballad. And BK, welcome to the show, baby girl. (laughs) Sonia, thank you so much for having me you're welcome so listen you know that short bio there was jam-packed and we're going to unpick it okay so just tell us what your connection is with Jamaica first of all
2: my parents are from Jamaica you. you. (laughs) yes so I am part of what they call the first generation Jamaicans born in the UK right and we were effectively raised as Jamaicans.
1: Yeah, exactly, definitely. Yeah, so
2: yeah. Um, a few things which I, I know will resonate with a lot of people who are in their mm-hmm. 40s, 50s and 60s who were born here is that yeah. we would go to school and engage with their world. Yeah. And then we would come home and be in our world. Yeah, get licked. And what that, yeah, and what that <laughs> meant was chores on a weekend, creating carrots, cleaning mm-hmm. the skirting board. Oh yeah. Everybody had their chores. Yeah. And in the week, my mm-hmm. mother was very clear, when you came home from school, you had to do additional maths and English, yeah. she would set. Yeah. And once oh, wow. It was, was she a teacher? No. no. Once okay. it was completed, though, we could go out to play. Yeah. And she had a very strong belief that school didn't do everything. Yeah. So she had to do her part. Okay, we had really to, uh, yeah, we had to earn our right to play out. Yeah. So, And food was Jamaican food. Uh-huh. So when our white counterparts at school were going home to have tea yeah. and they would literally talk about having a sandwich and a cup of tea, yeah. we would be talking about soup. And not Heinz soup, but soup with not. dasheen and yeah. chocho yeah. and yam. Do you know and... what I used to find confusing, <laughs> right? When uh-huh. the white people used to talk about tea, we would yes. say dinner. Yes, we would exactly. Say dinner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. exactly. yeah, Exactly, exactly. So, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so born here and having had the wonderful experience of working globally yeah and knowing that wherever i've gone and they've said to me where are you from and i said england they said no no no, no. where are your parents from yeah and when i say jamaica everybody's happy
3: yeah
2: everybody celebrates jamaica and whether that's yeah. in the smallest village in cameroon yeah. to the city center in accra yeah. to the middle of malaysia you're jamaican oh my god i love jamaica i love yeah, everybody has their favorite story, including yes. um, senior officials that I've worked with in Malaysia who yes. many of them did their postgraduate studies in England mm-hmm. and stayed in the houses of Jamaicans Yes, because they had never experienced any kind of prejudice wow. until, they, until they arrived in England yeah. and found that the homes where they were the most happiest and comfortable mm-hmm. were with Jamaicans and they would often talk about spending christmas in england and being part of the christmas celebration in the yes. jamaican house, household mm. and how 20 years 30 years on they've never forgotten the love and the hospitality wow. of being in a jamaican family so yes you know <laughs> i am jamaican proud yes. and stand up and Yes, Listen, don't,
1: I don't. know a person who's from Jamaica or whose parents are from who is not proud of being Jamaican. I tell, you, when I speak I tell to you, people, right? They say, right, that out of all the Caribbean islands, the Jamaicans are the proudest. Like, well, yes, your problem is you don't want to be proud of your country. We're <laughs> yes. proud of our country, our
3: heritage.
1: Yeah. Most
2: definitely,
1: most like, definitely. You know, when you was younger, when you were at yes. school, you know, yes. what did you aspire to
2: be? What did I aspire to be? I aspired to be a hair hostess. Did you? Yes. I wanted to travel.
3: Yeah.
2: And my mother, who was, and my mother passed away when I was 16. Right. Um, She's very young, but growing up, I grew up in an era where your parents' word was God. It was the mm-hmm. bond. The and my mother said to me, Boy, I, mean, I don't know about that. You know, because them playing always are crash. I mean, I want you go they got dead. Yeah. And so I decided I do not want to be a hair host anymore. Okay. She frightened you off. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Definitely. And, and our parents have this, this beautiful psychology of sending us away from something without directly saying, do not do it.
3: Yeah.
2: yeah or giving like, you a valid reason why. yes 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 yes, because I say so is is the reason um but interestingly enough the universe obviously knew that I wanted to see the world Mm -hmm. and I've seen a lot of it through my work so I still give thanks that you know now when I'm on a plane and I see a hair hostess I think this is a job that I may not have wanted to stay in for a long time anyway yeah and I've enjoyed the work that I've done so Mm -hmm. yes
1: so you wanted to be air hostess but you went on to be what
2: lots of different things <laughs> so you ain't fundament- got that long darling <laughs> yes I know fundamentally my work has been in education and yeah. I've loved it yeah. um, so what did you know, start how
1: did you start off in education
2: okay so when I when I completed my first degree yeah I had completed an arts degree was unsure about where I wanted to go and ended up in what I now you know view as a, a place where I could think about what yeah. I wanted to be so I worked in um, a project housing homeless young people for a short period of time. Okay. Then moved from there to qualify as a teacher. Yeah. And in a
1: subject or
2: just yeah. So my degrees in sociology and yeah. the UK system is such that you with a first degree you then do a postgraduate teacher right. training yeah. qualification and then from there I've worked in schools, I've worked in tertiary colleges, I've okay. worked as the head of department, I've worked in quality assurance. Mm-hmm. I've worked within research, I've worked within school inspection, but yeah. I, you know, fundamentally my work has been within education because if we get education right, yeah. it affects everything. Mm-hmm. And the ability to critically analyze the world that you're in, yeah. to be able to ask the right questions, to be able to feed yourself properly, to be able to eat properly, to understand mm-hmm. the science of diet and everything else. Yeah. Comes from education. And education doesn't always have to be formal. Mm-hmm. But it does, ha- but, but what school, if school is is done appropriately, what it does do is it allows you to develop the skills to know how to research effectively, yeah. to be able to analyze appropriately mm-hmm. and to be able to make the decisions based on those components. I if you don't so. understand how to do that, mm-hmm. you will make decisions without doing your due diligence. Of course. Yeah
1: yeah so when I first came across you okay yes you were working in Malaysia but before yes we, but before we get to Malaysia okay so after you have done teaching and uh, you know you said that you um you ooh, developed school or you led school development programs what kind yes. of um, programs
2: were you developing <clears throat> okay so the programs that I where I've worked and led on school development and building capacity yeah have always been within a a, a very clear guideline, mm-hmm. which is to engage teachers, middle leaders, and senior leaders to embrace a 21st century approach to education. Uh-huh. And as strange as that sounds, mm-hmm. um, it actually is. It's actually quite funny because most schools that are in countries that are under that were originally under colonial rule of the British mm-hmm. still still have that same model they still have a chalk and what what we call chalk and talk model of education which means that the children go in they sit down teacher stands at the front oh my god he or she talks a lot right that's the original victorian model yes yeah so whatever school that's how it was exactly exactly and so you now look at the 21st century where you have students who have access to the internet everyone has access to the internet yeah and so you can now have a classroom situation where children have as much information as their teachers Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so the teachers no longer giving them the information they're no longer the bearers of all knowledge as they were years ago yeah so the 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 skill of the teacher now is to facilitate the learning right it's to guide the student into how to research Mm -hmm. How to put all that information together, how to structure what they have, either Mm -hmm. what they have in terms they've gained through their own autonomy or what they've shared in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So the idea of teaching now is a very different model to what it was originally. Mm -hmm. And for many countries, and I do mean many, they have still held on to the same model because they say that's successful as they get the right exam results. The reality is that even at higher education level now Mm -hmm. universities are looking for more than a stars they want students who can think they want students who are innovative who are creative who think outside of or who create their own box that does not happen if you're sitting in a seat just being fed information for the whole of your school experience Mm -hmm. So a lot of what I do and when I work with others, it's about getting people to think about education in another way.
3: Yeah,
2: I am a qualified coach and I often incorporate my coaching into my education, because when you're working with students, you can ask them a closed question. Yes. Was this right or wrong? And they say yes or no. Or you can ask them an open question.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. How could that have been different? They have to think. Yeah. They have to weigh up the pros and cons. Mm -hmm. That's a skill in itself, because if you understand that the brain is a muscle, like any muscle in the body, if it's not worked, then what happens to your muscles? They seize up. Yeah. 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 So the brain works in the same way. We have different parts to our brain. And -hmm. if that critical analytical part Mm -hmm. isn't serviced and isn't looked after and isn't worked, Mm -hmm. then it becomes dormant
3: yeah
2: wow so does that
1: mean that when you go into the schools you're not only just teaching um, students you're teaching children uh, sorry teachers as well
2: yes yes more it's more about working with the senior leaders right Uh coaching senior leaders Mm -hmm. training senior leaders coaching and training middle leaders because if you get it right at that level that then is replicated into the classroom Right. So rarely am I in the classroom now? But I'm working with the people who are in the classroom. Yeah. And I've delivered
0: teacher training for a long time. And now, a word from our sponsors. <laughs> a toast only works if it's shared with others, even when we're miles apart. So let's cheer each other
2: on. Cheers to the best in life. Drink and live responsibly. A message from Red Stripe, part of the Heineken Company.
0: Welcome back to our podcast. If they're used to teaching in a a particular manner,
1: how do you go in there and convince them that this is the new age, a new way of teaching and it's more impacting and you'll be able to get more out of your students? How how
2: do you teach them that? Okay, so that's that's an investment of time. It's not a one session, right, um, approach that because nothing happens in one session. Mm-hmm. So what i what I would start with doing is observing a class, I go into a classroom. And with the permission of the teacher, I may record snippets of it, mm-hmm. might be 30 seconds, might be a minute here. And then I would sit down with that teacher, and I would I would, I would have scanned the classroom in that recording, i would say to them, okay, look at the levels of engagement yeah who've you captured who have you who hasn't who's with you on this journey who's not Mm -hmm. and if a teacher's standing at the front invariably they miss the students at the back I've been in classrooms where students at the back have literally gone to sleep Mm -hmm. sleep fast asleep yeah yeah and so when you're teacher training you know that okay one you've got depending on the demographic of your students So if they're poor students they may, may come to school without breakfast yeah yeah so mm-hmm. some schools counter counter that by having a breakfast program mm-hmm. which obviously helps because the body needs fuel to be able to work yeah if you're teaching a lesson after lunch where students have eaten their energy is in their stomach it's mm-hmm. processing the food so you don't have a lesson where they're sitting still for an hour yeah. you get them up you have things up on the walls you get them to move about Mm -hmm. you owe it but you do that over a period of time so you say to the to the tutor okay this is what you've produced today
3: yeah and
2: this is what you've produced knowing what you know yeah okay now these are the kind of resources that you can use look at these programs look at other lesson plans that have been devised which are more interactive Mm -hmm. look at what will work for your personality because because educating is also about what works for the teacher yeah you, you don't demand that a teacher become all singing and dancing yeah. if it doesn't sit well with their character. They have to be comfortable in what you're asking them to do. Do they
1: take into consideration that students learn in different manners? Absolutely. Like some are visual, some are kinesthetics. Absolutely.
2: Do they take that into consideration? A, t- a teacher who hasn't been well trained, and huh. it does happen, may not Okay. a teacher who was trained 20 years ago may have forgotten right. that happens people yeah. slip into a comfort zone what works for them or mm-hmm. what may have worked and they and they repeat that they've and some repeat yeah, yeah. so really what what i'm doing is i'm going in sometimes i'm reminding them mm-hmm. that we have different learning styles just as they as teachers have different teaching styles yeah and you know that the most successful lesson is a lesson that encompasses as many teaching styles as possible. Yeah. So you do work for your audio, you do work for your visual, you do work for your your kinesthetic, mm-hmm. you do work that appeals to your activists. Mm-hmm. So that everyone should leave that lesson yeah. with some healthy takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, you also have to take into account the age of your students. So what works for an eleven-year-old may not work for a sixteen-year-old right yeah yeah you have to take into account as i said earlier what time of the day yeah. your class is taking place mm-hmm. so once you master the science yeah. of teaching uh-huh. you will have more successful lessons than not okay. but initially you may just not know what you just may have forgotten
1: yeah so how do these teachers accept you as somebody who's coming from abroad coming in and basically rearranging their whole, <laughs> their whole teaching program
2: you know how, how do they handle that? That's a good question it's a good question um depending on where I am in the world yeah yeah there is a acceptance of me as a brown-skinned woman uh-huh. coming in and sharing my expertise and depending on where I am in the world it's the accent they hear first okay so they hear the British accent yeah. and They assume that if I'm from Britain, I must be an expert in what I'm doing. Right. Okay. Um, Depending on where I am in the world, they don't want to be told anything or advised by a brown skinned woman. Uh And that energy is there at the beginning. But at the end, it's not. Uh Because once they have incorporated what we've discussed, they will see that it's for their benefit. Right. And there are different hurdles to go over as an international Consultant, there are always those hurdles to go over. Racism is is global. Yeah, colorism is global. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for other people, um, you know, gender bias is global. They would rather a man be sitting in front of them than a woman. Yeah. So you know, once you realize that, and you know, that hasn't stopped me so far. It's not going to stop me now. Of course you know, not. Energy is energy. You know, once you pick it up, you're like, okay, then let me just approach this particular session in another way.
1: Yeah awesome so the the school um senior leaders yes train what is it that you actually train them to do so I know what you teach te- you teach the teachers <laughs> you train the teachers yes to teach in a different manner but yes. what is it that you teach the leaders
2: okay so with leaders I'm often coaching them okay and so if you understand anything about coaching mm-hmm. coaching would be about managing any challenges that come up Mm-hmm. So as a, if they're a new leader, there will be challenges around delegation. Yep. There'll be challenges about their own confidence and their self-esteem. Mm-hmm. There'll be challenges about just how to manage versus how to lead. Right. So when I'm coaching them on a one-to-one basis, we're working through either what's happening immediately mm-hmm. or long-term challenges that they've had, which they're now ready to talk about. Yeah. And the great thing about being an international coach is that when you go into an environment, the school leaders that you're working with know that you're not connected to their community Mm -hmm. because we live in very small communities. Yeah. And if you're in Malaysia, many school leaders already know each other. If you're in Jamaica, many school leaders already know each other. Same Mm -hmm. in Dubai, same, you know. So it's actually really nice when you go in as an external coach Uh and you work with school leaders and you help them to understand exactly what's going on and to come up with the solutions that that are best for their school. Because each solution is going to be different. You don't come with anything prescriptive because a leader who's been in place for 10 years will be very different to someone who's only recently been promoted. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Thank you very much for that. So tell us a little bit about your poetry books now. Exploring
2: All of Me, what's all that about? Okay, so Exploring All of Me is a collection, um, an anthology of my poems that were written between aged 18 and about 21. So I've always written. Um, Poetry for me is an outlet, um, I suppose in the same way that some people journal, I used to write poems in that way and also capture my political social personal understanding of the world that i'm in Uh so one of the poems that i that i wrote that um just still resonates you know in my first book was about um you know the experience of being black Mm -hmm. um the experience of being black and growing up in the uk
3: yeah
2: and you know very little has changed Uh very little has changed and then my second poetry book was in the process, I'd been writing a lot since in my twenties, and you know things were all over the place. And then, you know, twenty twenty was such an incredible year mm-hmm. on so many levels. You know, the first lockdown, the pandemic, yeah. Yeah. COVID, and you know the poetry was coming. Was like this, this book has to come out this year. Oh, wow. so I self published that that year because yeah. Yeah. it just felt as if it was yeah it was a it was it was it was a moment. It was a moment in life that each of us is going to remember uh-huh. for you know wherever we were at that time, what happened subsequently, what's happened since, what continues to happen mm-hmm. um, but it it changed uh-huh. you know, the lives that we all knew. and for myself as an international educator, you know, I had lived in places where Adam, you know, at a moment's notice, a few of us consultants would say okay where are we going this weekend are we going to Vietnam We'll yeah. jump on a plane to go to Vietnam yeah. okay where are we going you know it's it's another holiday coming up in a month's time okay we'll go to Kerala so I, I've been to Kerala in South India three times yeah. I've been to Thailand I've been to Bali yeah. I've been to Hong Kong I've been to Japan all of that was possible because I lived and worked in a world mm. that was different to the world I now I now live in and so I speak to people who are working on the international scene now, and some of them have been locked in one place for two years. They haven't moved. And so the attraction of working overseas that I thought was always going to be available isn't the same. Uh Isn't the same. So the second poetry book really captures, again, life experiences looking at class, looking at race, looking at feminism, Mm -hmm. looking at families, looking at lockdown. And that's all captured in in that second poetry collection. And it's already published, right? It's already published, they're both available on Amazon. Right, okay, cool. Okay, so what is...
1: I mean, well, I know we just come out of lockdown and coming out of Covid, hopefully, but what what, what are you going to be doing for the next couple of years or what's the plan for the next couple of years, or short-term plan?
2: To continue working internationally, but not necessarily going to those places. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so Everybody does
1: everything online nowadays.
2: It, yes. And, you know, I mean, I'm currently working with two projects in Bangladesh and around girls and education uh-huh. and making education more available to them through different models. I'm also working in Ghana uh-huh. and there will be some traveling, but it will not be in the same way yeah yeah it won't fine. be in the same way and i will continue to coach senior leaders yeah. because education is my passion
3: mm-hmm. if we
2: get it right at the top that trickles down to what happens in the classroom uh-huh. and if you can get the if you get the senior leaders to consider what changes need to be made and then to implement them mm-hmm. you know that the students are going to have a, a healthier experience awesome. so yes i'll continue with that i will continue to write yeah um, and I will continue to, to do my photography, not as much as I used to, but photography is, you know, my visual expression of the world that I live in. And I still think it's, it's absolutely relevant.
1: And the project that you did when you are in, when your photograph was in... Um, the
2: blue, blue water, oh, yeah. in blue water.
1: Were there, was that a photograph that you had taken?
2: No, no. So the the, the very quick history of that was... It was the Portraits of Black Britain. Right. It was part of a larger project by Cyphus Williams. Mm-hmm. And his intention is to get 1,000 portraits wow. of ordinary, regular Black people in the UK. Yeah. The first part was in Manchester mm-hmm. and that was exhibited at, at the Manchester Arndale.
3: Right.
2: And then the second part, he put a call out on LinkedIn yeah. that I responded to but the reason it was taken sorry the reason it was exhibited at Blue Water Shopping Center was that he had gone to Blue water mm-hmm. to do some shopping as a black man yeah and had purchased some suitcases was accosted by the security guards who accused him of stealing them. I think I remember that yeah. exactly and he said, what do you mean like I mean, who steals suitcases first of all I mean, <laughs> but anyway so they accosted him they challenged him and he said i'm going to speak to the ceo yes. and he did he spoke to the ceo and who manages the land upon which blue water is built and the security company uh-huh. and those discussions are still going on he's worked on a number of projects yeah. but the blue water portraits of black britain was put on there. Mm -hmm. Um, as a result of those discussions yeah, and I was part of it So that so him
1: being accosted with about those suitcases
2: yes was all for a reason yes yes absolutely absolutely yes absolutely right
1: well MBK I'd like to say thank you very much for being a part of Impact in Jamaica the podcast series and I wish you all the very best for the future
2: thank you Sonia I wish you the best and look forward to working with you again and if anybody wants to contact me i am on linkedin Mm -hmm. i'm on instagram at International. i am on twitter and i look forward to working with any senior leaders who can see the benefits of improving their Mm schools through coaching or training either Mm face-to-face or virtually thank you
0: awesome